0: You sticky cool. Tip by Fordberg. Rebound. He
1: scores! You A record breaker! Philip Forsberg, His 211th goal! And he is the all time leading goal scorer. I'm Abigail Martin.
0: I'm Sam Fleming. Potentially. In the making. And you're listening to Bleeding Blue on Penalty Box Radio.
1: They run Henry on the left side. He's got some room to the 45. He's outside to the 50. He's to the 40.
0: He's to the 30. He's to the 20. He's to the 10. He's to the 5. He's to the yeah. end zone. Yes. Derek Henry just went 60.
1: <laughs> the Music City Sports Experience.
0: So you're going to be hearing that intro quite a bit, folks. A great intro at that. Nashville Sports, Preds, Nashville SC, and of course the Tennessee Titans and Here on Penalty Box Radio, it's normally hockey, but we want to expand on that Music City sports experience. And that intro was made by my co-host, Abigail Martin, who's here with me. I'm Sam Fleming, here with you on the first episode of Bleeding Blue. Abigail, how are you doing?
1: Howdy, I'm doing good. How are you doing?
0: I'm doing good. I'm excited to get this going. As Of course, sadly, the, the sports season is slowing down a little bit. We still have Nashville SC around, uh, hockey wrapped up for the Preds, uh, which we'll get to in this episode. But you still got the Stanley Cup playoffs going on as well. But just excited to be doing this, Bleeding Blue. And it's funny, Abigail, we talked about it. We couldn't figure out a name for the longest time. And and we said something would come around. And I think you finally had the light flicker on when I said a name, (laughs) finally at some point.
1: Yeah, it was finally one of those mutual calls because like, I'm so not creative. And especially when it comes to something like titles or like headlines, even like Instagram captions, like I can come up with titles worth anything. So when you came up with Bleeding Blue, it was like perfect because we knew the one thing we wanted to do was incorporate blue, whether that be in the logo or something just to get make sure you're hitting the Titans, soccer club and Preds all together. But yeah, we finally got it. And here we are. <laughs>
0: Here we are. And like Abigail said, we're going to be talking a lot about the Preds. Obviously, Penalty Box Radio founded around hockey, but we want to expand that to the Music City sports experience, which is our slogan for this podcast. We want to talk all things in the Music City uh, with Nashville SC as are, are around now or their season going around now at Geodis Park. We'll get to that in the second segment of this podcast. Tennessee Titans will be back up and going before you know it. Might touch on some other sporting events around town too that come through, maybe um, weekend events or something like that. But you know, and, and Abigail, I think it's it's kind of important we talk to everybody about how this came to be and when it starts off. Both Abigail have been and I have been a part of Penalty Box Radio. How many years have you been a uh, part of PBR, Abigail?
1: Um, let's see. I started in twenty sixteen, I believe. So someone else do the math. Um, but before I got my driver's license, and I told Justin that the other day, I was like, you took me in before I even knew how to drive. And here I am about to turn 21 and be able to, about to be able to drink. And then soon enough, be able to rent a car. Like you put up with me for a minute. So however long that is. So how about you?
0: <laughs> so for me, it was 2020. And I, I kind of came in or 2019, right right before um, 2020, um, about August of 2019 I came in there well I said before 2020 that's funny the year before um anyways funny funny snippet that's the best part about podcasting but uh, I came in in 2019 and feel very fortunate to have been a part of this and you know right away I got to know Justin and Justin's a fantastic person if you haven't gotten the chance to meet him in person or just see him on Twitter, his social media presence, he's a great, great guy and a great influence and a great role model. And, you know, he really allowed both of us and allowed so many others to be creative and share their own thoughts and do what they want to do in sports media with hockey, whether it be a podcast or writing articles or going to events like you have abigail reporting for the press i i forgot someone tweeted it at you that's like what don't you cover at this point now uh, but so i got to know abigail and a few others like danielle and jack woods and peyton turnage and a great group of people that i feel fortunate to be around and also got the opportunity to be on uh, penalty box radio live on 1025 the game a few times and Talk everything from high school hockey to the Preds and so on and so forth with Justin and Glenn and you know um, as many people know with Penalty Box Radio next week at the time we're recording this is going to be the last episode that Justin and Glenn do live on air at 1025 the game and and it it was sad but I understand they're both making moves that are great for their careers. And we're very, very happy for both Justin and Glenn and we'll definitely miss the great times of penalty box radio live on one Oh two, five, the game. Um, I was never fortunate enough to meet Ben and uh, I know how much he means to Justin and Glenn and how much he means to the founding of PBR, but his legacy still lives on through all of us. And um, it, it was funny because I, I, had this idea come to mind that I wanted to get back into podcasting. And I'd had Outside Smashville as a podcast. Abigail was actually on one of my very first episodes that I did of Outside Smashville. And, you know, I I wanted to get back into it, but I didn't want to go solo. And I wanted to reach out to somebody that shared a similar passion and a similar interest in all different types of sports, whether it be the preds or hockey in general college sports and now Nashville SC and the Titans and make this a more expansive experience. So I'm sitting at the Calgary flames game. Um, the one, unfortunately <laughs> they lost, they tied it up with one second left and lost it over time. And I was just like, man, but I was thinking about this idea as I was sitting in this arena and I, I was reading Twitter and you know Abigail was reporting the game and and I have a big respect for what Abigail's done and everything with PBR reporting for the Preds, now being a part of Nashville SC, what she did for MTSU hockey as well. And I reached out and I said, Abigail, you want to do a podcast together? And and this is where I turned it over to you, Abigail, because I want to get your side of this because your reaction was pretty funny when I sent you this message. <laughs>
1: Well, I think it's even funnier now hearing you talk about it being the Calgary game. I didn't remember that off the top of my head. Um, some of you listening, may remember this, but that was the night that if the Preds won, they would have clinched the playoffs with point 0.1 seconds left when, um, when the, that tying goal was scored. I tweeted that the Preds were going into the playoffs before they were. And, you know, it worked out because Dallas ended up winning. So I was like, oh, manifesting, whatever. But I had a big, big oopsie that night. And that's to know that that's whenever you decide to do this is funny, but no, it was very, let's even That's so funny. Okay. Anyways, collecting myself that it it took me by shock because I was talking to my boyfriend. Who's also, his name's also Justin. Um, so don't get confused. I talked about Justin Bradford and it's J Brad or J Brad, so J Brad or J Braddy. So get over that. But I was talking to Justin. He was like, you need to figure out something that does collectively let you cover all of Nashville sports the way that you do like use your voice you love to talk about it so much and bless the heart the boy knows nothing about sports we went to a Titans game and he thought Derrick Henry was Tannehill like he thought he was quarterback so I think he's just tired of hearing me talk about sports and so whenever you texted me I was like everything is lining up right now this makes perfect sense I really enjoyed Um, Whenever I went on outside Smashville, and of course that was pre-COVID and peak of the SECHC, so that was a whole different type of animal, but it's really cool. Now that we get to proceed it into national major league sports, unfortunate, fortunate, as sad it is about PBR going away from 102.5, I am very proud of Glenn and Justin, and I remember him, whenever he called me, he called me right before um, the last regular season game. And I was like, so mad at him. I was like, I'm going to ruin my makeup before I walk into the last game that I could potentially ever work for the cover for the Preds and PBR. But I'm very excited nonetheless of what their future has in store. And obviously they're going to be sticking around. They're dealing with us for a while. I feel like we're their, um, their adopted kids at this point. So sorry to them, but (laughs) um yeah no I'm very excited for this next step I'm about to graduate college and so everything's kind of up in the air but it's nice to know that I have this comfort zone of an outlet to talk about what you and I both know so well and are a part of and here we are we come up with a name I feel like that was the hardest part now we just get to talk
0: yeah the hardest part is coming up with a name because I think we kept shooting them back and forth at each other and we're just like No, that's been taken. No, that just doesn't (laughs) flow as well. And then it finally clicked. And like Abigail said, and we've emphasized uh, plenty of times, we want to expand this to more than just hockey. We want to talk about the Titans. We want to talk about, you know, Nashville SC. But also we want to hear from you. Uh, We have our own Twitter page at Bleeding Blue NSH or Nash. Uh, You can follow us on there. And we'll tweet out different clips, reports from the game, uh games that are around town will also ask about questions so if you guys have any questions in future episodes just tag along on that tweet and uh, we'll be happy to answer them and share our thoughts because in this next segment you're going to hear quite a few thoughts from both abigail martin and i about the nashville predators and where we think this franchise stands currently and uh, I would suggest getting your popcorn ready because it's going to be pretty good Uh, but thank you for tuning in and you're listening to Bleeding Blue Nashville here on Penalty Box Radio.
1: And welcome back to Bleeding Blue on Penalty Box Radio. Abigail Martin, Sam Fleming with me and there's been a lot to talk about. A few questions that have come up with the Nashville Predators is where we're going to start. They ended their season on Monday night, Monday, Tuesday night, whichever way you want to call it, um, losing to the Colorado Avalanche in four games in what felt like the longest season and the longest playoff series that I personally have ever witnessed in my life. Um, And, yes, that says a lot, meaning it was only four games. But we have a lot to talk about from Philip Forsberg's contract being up, who is now UFA. Um, A lot of people are coming for general manager David Poyle. I don't think that's very likely, but it's a fair assessment to make from a fan standpoint. But also John Hines's contract is up because, you know, as the Preds like to do with him only being the third ever franchise coach. uh, We saw it with Laviolette. They do like a tester contract and then resign from there. So a few questions that have come up. Sam, we've talked a lot about where this future of the franchises, what happened, what went wrong, and even taking a look back at to the beginning of the organization or even just the 16-17 Stanley Cup run. And you've told us to get our popcorn. I've got mine ready. I need to hear your take.
0: Uh, so first off, I I texted Abigail this after game four, and I said – Abigail, get ready. This rant's about to be entertaining, but I promise it's PG, Mom. Um, I never let it get any more than that. Um, I, I was born in 1998, and the Preds came around in October of '98, so around the same time. And for the first few years, everybody was saying, "What's a hockey team in Nashville going to do?" There's a story my dad talks about. One of his friends used to go to the game and games and read a book while the game was going on in front of him and you know for a while there the Preds didn't make the playoffs until the 2004 season when they played the Detroit Red Wings um and I remember going to that first playoff series a little kid six-year-old me going in there and there was a lot of red a whole lot of red and it took the Preds until 2011 and they went on this stretch of making the playoffs and not making it out of the first round so we were close but not quite there and in 2011 they finally got to the second round and with a team that we look back now and we say wow the these guys were the star players and you know we can't believe it and they beat the Anaheim Ducks and then played a very tough Vancouver team that I believe if i'm if i'm not mistaken made the stanley cup finals that season against the boston bruins and then 2012 came around they put down the evil empire as they called them the detroit red wings for the first time in their history moved past them in the second to the second round where they played arizona and then got embarrassed by the arizona coyotes the coyotes and you know then after that the preds Took a nosedive for a couple of years, and I remember all this talk back when this happened with, you know, Barry Trotz, who's now out of a job at the New York Islanders. Everybody said, "Is Trotz's system too defensive?" And keep in mind, you know, we had Philip Forsberg, up and coming in 2013, hot prospect at the time, traded for Martin e. Ratt, traded Martin Erat to get him. And Trotz just didn't believe in the kid. And the Preds tanked so hard that 2013 season. They got the fourth overall pick in the draft that landed him Seth Jones. Now, to this day, obviously, it ran, landed us Ryan Johansson. We'll get down there in a minute. But if only, Abigail, it could have been even more of a tank. It could have been Nathan McKinnon in that same draft. Would he have been the same player that he is now? I don't know, but it would have been a generational talent. 2014 ends, Preds still don't make the playoffs. Time time has come for change. What do they do, they fire Barry Trotz and they go get Peter Laviolette. Probably one of the best decisions this team has ever made was going out there and getting an offensive-minded coach, and you saw that flip happen right away. They get James Neal in to the lineup who never had been the guy, but he, he proved he could be. And, you know, Seth Jones is starting to take off as a player. Roman Yossi's up and coming. You had Ryan Suter walk. We'll get to that in a minute, too. Um, Shea Weber was still at the prime of his career, too. And the Preds go back to make the playoffs to play the Chicago Blackhawks. And due to some poor officiating, I will say, Duncan Keith dragging Taylor Beck down on a breakaway by the pants and getting away with it and going to score an overtime winner goal. The Preds were back, though. There was Philip Forsberg's breakthrough. Somehow didn't get nominated for the Calder Trophy that year. Um, you had James Neal being a really good player. Some younger guys starting to come up through the system. And then 26, 15, 16 rolls around. You had Ryan Johansson to the lineup, who was a 30-goal scorer the year before, just on a team in Columbus with John Tortorella, who didn't know how to play him, and also Joey didn't want to be there. So Ryan Johansson comes into the lineup, makes an instant impact with the team. Preds make it past the second round and beat the Anaheim Ducks again. They play the San Jose Sharks. They take them to seven games in the second round. We're one game away from the Western Conference Finals. Now fans start to believe the All-Star game was here. Crowds were going to Preds games. Victor Arvidsson was coming up through the lineup. 2016-2017 rolls around.
1: Uh-oh.
0: Yeah, PK PK Subban comes in. Laviolette's third year. And I, I will say the team this year reminded me a lot of the team, as everybody has said, from this year. But they make this most un, unthinkable run to the Stanley Cup Finals. Sweep Chicago, beat the St. Louis Blues, knock out the Anaheim Ducks, minus some top players. And they they take the Penguins to six games. Sisson scored in game six, by the way, everyone. I hate to tell you he Thorsburg did. Forsberg wasn't off sides, <laughs> but it was that euphoria and that moment that Preds fans have been waiting for. 17-18, you had Kyle Turris, Nick Bonino, some other big guns. You win the President's Trophy. The peak of the regular season, you're the best team in the NHL. Get the Colorado Avalanche in the first round. Remember that name for a second. Rebuilding team. They get rid of Matt Duchesne. He's a locker room nuisance over there. And they have Nathan McKinnon. They have they had Sam Girard. They make some trades. Joe Sackick, who was a stock of a GM at the time comes around and is making these moves. Everybody's like, what is he doing? Well, after Duchesne goes, that team pl- makes the playoffs, takes Nashville to six games. Then they play the Winnipeg Jets and get knocked out in the second round. This is the moment the Nashville Predators took a downfall and where my rant begins. For the past however many seasons now, this team has been mediocrity defined i am sorry but it's true you go out and you've been at the peak they they win the central division in 2019 20 or me, 2018 2019 get my years i'm jumping ahead um, victor arvidson sets the franchise record for goals in a season with 34 that has now been surpassed by two players and they get the Dallas Stars. They're the top seed in the West. They're Central Division champs. And you're thinking, all right, Dallas, a rivalry. You know, they, they should still be favored. They struggle. The power play. Oh, my gosh. The power play, Abigail. <laughs> that was the year we all started talking about declining penalties. It was so bad. It was laughable. And everybody was calling for Laviolette's Head, myself included. Get this man out of here. Get his assistant coaches, Dan Muse, McCarthy, whoever, off this team. We can't score a power play goal if our life depended on it. And, you know, they get knocked out in six. And it's, and it's like, we just got knocked out in the first round of the Dallas Stars. You know, what are we doing? Then nineteen twenty comes around. They start off on a high. This team was on fire out of the gate to start October. Nobody could touch him. Pecorino was playing the best he has been, you know, and they were rolling through teams. Austin Watson had a career start. Yarn Kroc was playing really well. And then comes that team, the Calgary flames. They're up four to one on them going into the third period on Halloween. I was at this game. They blow the lead. Watson scores to make it five to four with like less than a minute remaining, and then Matthew Kachuk yet again. I cannot stand that guy. Ties it up with seconds remaining and then wins it in overtime. After that, the Preds tank. And it's so bad, Laviolette gets fired. So I remember we're sitting down, it's you, me, Peyton Turnage, and we're, we're discussing who the next head coaches should be and we're saying it's got to be someone like Carl Taylor. They're at the time the Lightning were thinking about getting rid of John Cooper. Thank goodness for them they didn't because he's now led them to two Stanley Cups. But we really didn't have a name to pinpoint. And we brought up John Hines and we said, I just don't see it with how he struggled in New Jersey. You know, he he had Taylor Hall, he didn't have the best depth there, but they were struggling well, lo and behold, the next day, John Hines gets hired as the head coach of the Nashville Predators. And I, I didn't know what to think of the move at all and sort of sat there and said, all right, we got to give it a chance. Right. You know, we're, we're in a hole right now. The Preds have got to get back and make the playoffs. Obviously, COVID came around shortened the season, but the Preds were starting a little bit of an uptrend right before the pause in play. So then you go to the bubble and. Almost everybody, they were like, you get a playoff berth, you get a playoff berth, and you get a playoff berth here. Makes playoffs. But the Preds are a mid-table team in the Western Conference in that state, and they get the Arizona Coyotes. And Arizona's a good team. I'd been to a game that season in Arizona and watched them, a young team at the time. They were actually having a really good season fighting for the playoffs. And they're a fast team, but everybody's like, ah, phew, Nashville can get past Arizona. Uh-uh. That team got flat-out embarrassed by the Coyotes. Michael Grabner burned them for speed. You know, they had one game that they were really good, but they couldn't score on the power play again, and they just couldn't get it to work. And it was frustrating because this is a team that you should beat in the qualifying round, and you can't do it. You lose a five-game series in four games, and you just can't you can't hit the net. And it's frustrating because – you got Forsberg, you have Arvidsson, you have Ellis, Eckholm, Yossi, the Tourists, Duchesne now a part of this team. You have the talent to do it. Arizona has what, Clayton Keller, Oliver, Ekman, Larson at the time? No, No, nothing against them. They're great players, but it's Nashville's more loaded, and they still can't do it for some reason. In the playoffs, they just struggle to get it together. And it's like, oh, my gosh, we just lost to the Coyotes after waiting for this? Coyotes get smacked by the avalanche after that, and Tampa wins the Cup, so on and so forth. And then the Preds decide to blow it all up finally. And they get rid of Turris. They get rid of Benino, And slowly start to integrate these new pieces. And Luke Cunnan comes in. You've got Janot that comes in later in the season. Nick Cousins, some other players, Mark Boriecki. And this team looks grittier than ever. And it's like, that's the one thing we lacked in the playoffs was toughness. And it was a weird season for the Preds in 2021. But they they were fighting for that playoff spot with Dallas. They make it in with how the divisions were aligned in Carolina. And they have a tough series against Carolina. I thought they played well. It's just Carolina was a little bit better of a team. But I started to believe in John Hines a little bit more because this team – was not expected to do well but they got there and they made a good fight of the Carolina Hurricanes. All right here comes the bunk the um, main part of the rant now uh, Abigail so here we go. Um, they didn't start to blow it up even more. Ryan Ellis is gone uh, you trade Victor Arvidson which a lot of people did not like including Arvidson for- now is on the LA Kings who are still in the playoffs and actually having a good season. And it was a rough start out of the gate. But they bounced back and they made us believe the emergence of Tanner Janot, Jakob Trennan, Colton Sissons, the herd making a huge impact. Then here comes Matt Duchesne on a hot streak. You can't stop Matt Duchesne. It's like, where was this Duchesne for the first few years of the contract? And then it gets to Philip Forsberg, who's, Philip Forsberg, it was Phil B. the whole year pretty much for him. Ryan Johansson, career year for him. Roman Yossi being Roman Yossi. Soros, all-star now, UC Soros. Vesna Trophy finalist, UC Soros, along with Norris Trophy winning, our Norris Trophy finalist and winner in the past in Roman Yossi. The depth was unbelievable, and this team was on top of the Central Division at one point. And then you get after, like, the stadium series game, you just did not know what you were going to get with this team. You know, you still had Duchesne scoring goals. You had Yo- um, Yossi being the offensive leader. Soros was still doing really well. Um, Forsberg, Johansson. Your top guys were producing, but the depth went deadly silent. Luke Cunnan? I advocated for this guy to be a top six forward, and he just did not score a single goal. And Tanner, Janot even fell off. You know, it's like, where is this line right now? And the Preds fell like a rock fighting for that last wild card spot. Well, luckily, you know, they started to play a little better. They positions themselves to clinch. And I'm in Tampa watching the game and they play the lightning and they get smoked. And I'm sitting there just, are you kidding me at this point? We, we can't hang with this in the playoffs. They, they end up playing the wild. They play David Riddick. They lose in overtime. And then it comes to that game against Calgary. And they're up four, I forget, like four to two after starting down in that game. They were looking good. And then the Flames chip away and chip away. And then that Matthew Kachuk guy has to score and UC Soros gets injured in that game too. Remember that. So the Preds lose, they clinch, but it's pretty simple. They, they play Colorado, somehow get a win in the shootout out there with Riddick in that they come back, they win. And it's simple. When it comes down to Arizona. You need one point against a team that's a bottom dweller in the last game in their building and you have a four to nothing lead halfway through the first period and you blow it blow. And I don't mean blow it. It's maybe worse than when the Warriors blew a three to one lead. It's that bad. And they fall to the second wild card. And who do you get? But the delight of matching matching up with the best team in the Western conference the Colorado Avalanche. And remember when everybody laughed at Joe Sackick, yeah, they're not laughing now. Kale McCarr, Nathan McKinnon, Miko Randon, Gabriel Landeskog, Sam Girard. The, the list goes on. That team is so fast, I don't know how anyone can hang with them. But I'll be interested to hear your take. I don't think UC Soros makes that much of a difference in that series because they were the Preds were so poorly coached that John Hines – his system, I don't understand his lineup at all. Why do you put a fourth line of guys like Michael McCarron, Matt Olivier, and Nick Cousins out there when you need more of the Phil Tomasinos, Cody Glass, and uh, Tolvanen? Sorry, I'm, going, I'm losing my mind on that. You <laughs> should have had them out there game one. And you put a fourth line that's a gritty line that's meant to face Calgary. And that line got exposed. And I get it. Riddick starting the first game, he wasn't played enough. And that's poor management by the coaching, By in my eyes. You should play him more to give him that. Or Connor Ingram. Connor Ingram, hats off to him. He was the best player in that series for us. That guy stood on his head and cared to be out there and make a difference. But some of the guys, Luke Cunning, like taking stupid penalties. Tanner Janot just couldn't catch a pass and – you know, Luckily, Duchesne, Forsberg, those guys started to get going, but it was too little too late. And at this point, this is where I need to say GMs run their course and sometimes it's time for change. David Poyle needs to go and you need to get a younger mind in there. You need to get somebody that is like Joe Sackick, that is not afraid to make changes. Bill Forsberg has to stay. It doesn't matter if you're rebuilding or if you're still competitive. You have to keep him. He's the heart and soul of this franchise. And do I think he will stay? I know everybody's like, oh, he's leaving, you know, the wave and everything. I get it. Yes, it's, it's frustrating to see that. And it's sad. But he wants to be here. And I give him credit because he could be somewhere else. And John Hines, you know my thoughts on that. It is time to get Carl Taylor in this system. Let Carl Taylor take the reins. And, and make changes. Welcome to the new age of Preds hockey. Abigail, that's all I've got to say, but it, it, you have to change it at this point.
1: I am so appalled. I don't even know where to start because you really went back and literally brought the whole context of like starting when the Nashville Predators literally had to teach fans what hockey is. And that feels, I mean, I wasn't alive, so feels like forever ago, but more so, what I want to focus on is the Stanley Cup final run in 2016-2017. That was not supposed to happen, but because it happened every year, it has been compared to 2016-17. And, I mean, heck, even to the point when um, when Saros, unfortunately, went out with, like, 328 left in that Calgary game, I was like, Arena, you should come out of retirement just like Fisher did. Like, I am – so I understand going back to sixteen seventeen because that was also like when I was making my transition from a fan to a reporter covering this team. But at the same time, you really have to sit down and be realistic that that was not supposed to happen. And I was at the media availability on, let's see, what was it Tuesday of this week? So the day after, not even 24 hours after the Preds were shut out for the first time in franchise history against the avalanche, but Matthias Ekholm said, um, I I haven't been to the Stanley Cup final every year, but I've been there once, and this is what happened. And if you want to know what happened, let me tell you. He said that it was because the last 20 of the regular season games that were played, they came into there running. They came into the playoffs swinging. They had all the momentum in the world to carry them. Well, let's take a look at this season. After looking at the regular season for the Preds, out of the last 20 games of the regular season, they lost 11 of those. They of four-plus goals against in 12 of their last 20. They only won six games of the last 10. The Nashville Predators only won six games in the last 10 of their regular season schedule, which, okay, that sounds okay, right? But five of the last 10 went into extra hockey. Now you're battling stamina because this team's also playing back-to-back games. Um, on a UC Soros who's been played the entire season. And he was also asked about that. And Saros was like, if I was tired, I would have said I was tired. I wanted to play. Do I believe that? I don't know. That's up to you. Personally, I wouldn't want to be played that much throughout a season, but I'm also a 20-year-old retired softball player. So, you know, (laughs) whatever. But they suffered a shutout, an 8-3, 6-2 loss, while they're trying to clinch a ticket into the playoffs. And to me, I don't know about you, it doesn't sound like momentum not one bit. And I believe it was Matt Duchesne. And he was like, I think we started to get into our heads and realize if we don't get on it, we're not going to make the playoffs. And so awareness is good. I will never be upset about a player or anyone being aware of their situation. But when you become insecure about that, that's when things start to change and you see the play shift. And you were talking about after um, sometime after like stadium series, they're losing, especially in the last few, six to one, turn around and win six to two. You don't know what team to expect. And I I gave that as a pro whenever I went on to 102.5. And I was like, you know, that might be a good thing that the Preds know how to bounce back. But obviously, they don't know how to bounce back enough because they just got swept the first time in franchise history. And you're like, Abigail, why do you keep mentioning that so much? Let me tell you, because. wasn't supposed to happen, but we compare it to it every single day. They win the president's trophy, they go to two rounds, they've never made it past first round since. So it is unbelievable to me that the Stanley Cup final run was the first time that the Nashville Predators have ever made it past the second round. And that was a few years ago. That was history made. Absolutely. Give them a banner. I don't care. To now. They're getting swept for the first time in franchise history. Yes, it's a new coach. You went from Laviolette and you went to Heinz. Oh, my blood's starting to pump a little bit. Get red. Get avalanche red. Um, but yes, you saw a coaching change, but let's also look at, you mentioned competitive and then a few words later said rebuild. No, those two words go together apparently for this franchise. It is the competitive rebuild. We could talk about that as well. Because you mentioned letting players go either for a trade, but also whenever this team was seeing success under a lobby, they made those one season additions just to let them walk in free agency the next year. And if you add, that's not a rebuild and neither is a competitive rebuild now. That doesn't need to happen because comparing everything to 16, 17 is the wrong thing to do. If you want to do it, that's fine, but you need to be looking at it at a negative light. Why could this team that was supposed to be the workhorse and the Nashville Predators when they started they wanted the blue collar mentality, and that's exactly what happened in sixteen seventeen. That's what their roster looked like. They built up momentum, yeehaw! They made it to Game Six, still lost. I'm also still traumatized. Thank you, Patrick Hornquist, for the game winning goal in Game Six. Anyways, um, but to go. I don't even know where I was going, That just hit a whole new level. To go from that, but then now to a team, or this past season for the Preds, you have a Norris Trophy finalist, a Vezina Trophy finalist, two 40-plus goal scorers, and a youth leadership that led the NHL in rookies in goals and assists and points and all the nine yards offensive-minded. That's where you want to be. You have young leadership, and you have a core group that's doing what they're supposed to be doing – And a goalie that was a backup last year and the years past for Pecorine, who has stepped up and led this team to the playoffs. And I will tell you that watching him go to the bench broke my heart because he's worked so hard for this team to make it to the playoffs. And he didn't even get to play. I can't imagine how devastating it was for him. I can't. But that's a different story. How do you look? How does Hines, how does Poyle, anyone in their right mind that knows the game of hockey, look down and set at a roster with this, that you didn't expect for the success and that's fine, but that individual success was there. Why are they getting swept in the first round? I don't, I don't care who they were playing. I don't care if they were playing the U.S. USA Olympic team from years ago. I don't care. There's no sense for that. Absolutely not. Not even one game. Because... I went in thinking, okay, they're going to win. I thought the Preds would win game two and a home game. And I thought that would be it. I think losing was in their fate no matter what happened, of course. Of course, stars going out was an extra event, an unfortunate event. But I expected them to at least win one, maybe two, because this team is supposed to know how to come back, like I mentioned, losing 6-1, coming back 6-2. So anyways... I think it's fair to be frustrated with this organization because they have been average, mediocre at best. And I want to touch on what uh, Jay Brad and Glenn were talking about last night on 102.5. This is a business, and two separate parts to this because the players are going to tell you it's a business when it comes to Philip Forsberg's contract. But going to the conversation on Wednesday night on ESPN, they were like, if owners are okay with being mediocre and getting in, occasional casual fans into Bridgestone arena fine if you want to make your money that way fine but if you want to make a push commit either now this unfortunately has come down to leaning on Philip Forsberg's decision but either enhance your core group with additions and then let your youth continue to grow now they've got 82 games plus under their belt or go through a rebuild and do it because You're not creating hockey fans by giving them nothing but mediocre average hockey to watch for the past however many years. It's just too much. And not even to mention that, but I think it's shown just from the games that I've been able to report on, the energy in Bridgestone Arena is flat. I grew up with my mom going to these games, and I loved it. Like, it was the energy that brought you in, and you know who does have energy? Nashville Soccer Club. But... And that's a whole other topic that we can compare these two teams against, which I think is great for the city of Nashville in a way. But the fans aren't there. The fans are leaving early. The fans are showing up late. Even in the playoffs, they're showing up late. You can tell me that there's traffic. But, I mean, when I was a fan, I was sitting on the on the glass when it, before the players – probably before the players even thought about getting ready to get, get up that day. Not really, but you get my point. <laughs> but the energy is just dead. You don't have – The strength of Cell Block 303 isn't what it was. Those fans are going away. They have nothing to watch for anymore. Because when it wasn't supposed to happen, it did. And now that it's supposed to happen, it doesn't. I'm going to go back to Philip Forsberg and the business side of things. This is what Philip Forsberg had to say, media availability on Tuesday. Every player plays to win the Stanley Cup. So do I. That's my biggest goal. And I do believe that we have a team that can make that in the future. So I think that's the direction that a team has to be heading, and I think we are. He tells you that he wants a Stanley Cup, which is a big part of this. Does he think the Nashville Predators can earn a Stanley Cup anytime throughout the rest of his career? He's at his peak, and he's got a great, great scenario to be in right now coming off the season he did, being the age he is, being an unrestricted free agent, basically being able to ask this team whatever amount of money that he wants or someone else is going to give it to him if they can. If I'm Forsberg, I'm being like, before we even talk about how much money you're going to be giving me, I want you to sit down and strategically tell me what pieces you're going to bring into this organization to support me and to make this team an actual contender into the Stanley Cup finals, the finals, not just the playoffs, because I don't want to move. I don't want to lose in the first round. I don't want to lose in the second round. I want to be in the Stanley Cup final again because this team, this roster is supposed to be. So you tell me who you're bringing in and who you're sending out. And then we can talk money. That's what I'm saying to David Poyle. If I'm Forsberg, I mean, prove it to me. Or if he's going to take the stance of I'm willing to wait around in the prime of my career to see, to be a leader. And then maybe win a cup down the road, I don't think that's him. That wouldn't be me either. But while everyone's saying Forsberg's not coming back because of the last wave that you mentioned, Matt Duchesne had this to say, and this made me think that Forsberg would come back.
0: I try and weigh in my opinion of, or, uh, or my experience I should say, with when I was a free agent, and what I made the decision on, he's got a little bit more time and he's, he's you know, thinking about resigning with the current TVs he's on, which was my situation was a little different, but uh, you know, for him, uh, you know, it, it, it's, it's never easy, but we uh, will not have back, obviously that goes without saying.
1: I think that offers you a little bit of hope. Personally, I don't want to see Forsberg walk away. And I think, I don't think David Poyle is under a hot seat other than with the fans right now. That's going to have to come from ownership. And if we know anything about this team, they don't like change. They don't even want to commit to a rebuild. They have only had three coaches in their lifespan. They just don't like change. I don't see them leaving Poyle. You're up for a whole new ordeal. You bring in a new general manager. Guess what? He wants a new coach. So then you're seeing a heck of a lot of change after you just saw Pecorine retire as well, which was a big change. So this organization needs to decide if they want to be, yeah, go Preds. We're going to pay attention in the playoffs. That's when we'll make money for four games, maybe. Or if they're going to be a season runner, they're going to perform well. Or even if they slip into the playoffs and do well in the, in the playoffs, that's fine. But if they want to do that, they want to be competitive. And a new coach is a good question. I think that's all I have to say. We'll see. Well,
0: that was fun on that. Um, and, and I want to put a tweet out there that Alex uh, Alex Darty put on Twitter before I get to my side of that part, Abigail. Preds have not won a regulation home game in the playoffs in Bridgestone since April of 2018 against the Colorado Avalanche. Think about that. Yes, they've won at home since then, but they haven't won in regulation in the playoffs. I, I agree with you, even though I think it is time for Poyle to, change, to make a change from Poyle. I've been kind of on the side that maybe Scott Nickel should take over and be the GM of this organization at some point. He's probably the least of the concerns in that side. Now, the move with Philip Forsberg him not trading him that Matt Duchesne quote you got and the quotes from the other players and even Phillip himself. I really think he wants to be in Nashville and be a leader to help this team to get to the cup. But I agree. He's got to put his foot down and said, all right, I'm staying. Where's your end of the bargain? Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think if Poyle can't provide that, he has to go. Now, John Hines, if there's one of the two, that is on the hot seat, it's probably John Hines in my eyes. I have I have believed Carl Taylor has done such a great job with Milwaukee Admirals that at some point you have to give him a chance. He came up and even coached this year and did a heck of a job.
1: Exactly. That's exactly what I was going to say. And it's going to be ironic. The game that Carl Taylor and his staff, I call it the COVID game, which ironic, they're all COVID games at this point. But for this season, my quote COVID game, was against the Colorado Avalanche when Carl Taylor was called up. And you want to know who won that game? The Nashville Predators. I'm done. I'm sorry. Go ahead.
0: No, but that's a great point. And and he stepped in with his staff, and they did an amazing job. And look at the Admirals. Cody Glass is like – and even Rocco Grimaldi. Now, that's another story. We'll get to that. (laughs) You know, they're playing really well in Milwaukee because Carl Taylor has authority. But he's also minded on both the offensive and defensive side. He's a great all-around coach. And I don't know, maybe the Preds want to get a guy with NHL experience. I was all for Gerard Gallant should have been the head coach of this team when he was available, but that never happened. For the Preds, I think this offseason, they have to move on from some guys on that roster. David Riddick will not be back. There's no question about that. You have Connor Ingram. You have Askarov. You have a great goaltending depth that Riddick has, who knows, maybe seen his last game in the NHL. Matt Benning, you've got LaZon, who's apparently a focus to sign back for the Preds. You have younger defensemen like um, David Ference coming up through Milwaukee, and those guys are still there. Benning will probably be gone. Nick Cousins, gritty player, you know, he's, he's fun to watch, but at some time you've got to move on. And I think that's another player that you've got to go on from. And, I, and I'll, I'll say it to Luke Cunnin. It's contract year for Luke Cunnin. He played great last year, was a solid piece to this team in the playoffs, won one of the games in overtime, but this year was the disappearing act. It was like Kyle Turris 2.0. Has a great first year with the team and never to be seen again. The Preds need that cap, not all cap space. They have the fourth most cap in the NHL right now. They could sign Forsberg easily. But they need to, if they want to win, go all in in free agency and get depth. I'm not saying go get Johnny Gaudreau. I mean, Johnny Gaudreau is going to be $10 million, maybe more himself, third most points in the NHL. But I'm looking at some of the names out here who could be depth players. You know, you got Andre Polat of Tampa Bay. You've got, you know, heck, even Claude Giroux. He's older. Give him a one-year deal. See how it goes. Phil Kessel, a guy that Boyd Farish and I talked about, still has got a great shot. You put him with some speed. He can be a great potential addition as a a depth player. You've even got Andre Burakowski and Vincent Trocek. There's players out there. But, you know, Nashville needs to get, some solid depth players that can play either top six or bottom six. They've got guys that can do it. You know Tanner Janot had a little bit of a slow end of the year. I think he'll bounce back. Trennan, he had a great game for um, Colton Sissons. But they really need to start thinking for the future. Guys like Tomasino, Tolvenin could have a better year next year. Cody Glass, I want him more in the lineup next year. Luke Evangelista, let's talk about him. Record breaker down there with the London Knights, now with the Milwaukee Admirals. I don't think he'll be up on Nashville right away. There's no chance, but soon it's got to happen. You got to give him a shot at some point, maybe at the end of the season. But if I'm the Preds, your number one priority has to be keep Philip Forsberg. He's the identity. He brings fans here. He loves Nashville. He says he wants to stay. And, and this is another quote, Abigail, that Jason Arnett, former former captain of this team, if you haven't seen it, listen to it. Talks about Radulov, which is hilarious, but talks about Ryan Suter. And it was more eye-opening than I ever could imagine of how all about himself Ryan Suter was. And that makes sense now after he walked from this team and, and wanted more money and to go play with Zach Parise. Sorry, Minnesota Wild fans, they are – now going to haunt you for the next few years with their dead cap, But Forsberg is a team player. And I know he wants to win. You talked about everybody wants to win the cup, what he said. But he wants to do it with Nashville so bad, I can't even tell you. You can see it in his eyes. Him patting the logo when he broke the record. His celebrations, his emotion. Give this man what he wants in money. And give him what he wants to build this team. He should be your focal point, even though Roman Yossi is your captain. Because he's younger than Yossi still. And whenever Roman Yossi does decide to hang him up, if Phil Forsberg's still playing, you bet that man, as long as he's a Pred, is going to be the next captain. But that's all that I've got to say. I, I, I think change is coming in some sense. Maybe not to the level everybody wants but I think you see a different head coach of the Nashville Predators next year. That's my hot
1: take. I think it's a fair take to go with. And I know just touching on Taylor, but with Forsberg, I was talking to my mom about this. And as a Preds fan, you should be upset that the Nashville Predators couldn't give Pecorine a Stanley cup. And my aunt is the biggest Pecorine fan. So it it was hard losing him in retirement. And then you see the the birth of UC Soros as a starting goaltender. So it was good in that way, but they couldn't give him a Stanley cup. And so I think talking about with Forsberg, when talking about when Yosti retires is so weird, that makes me feel old, but when the, if that day is to come, Forsberg would be the one that steps up was for Would Forsberg be next that he's the one that doesn't get a cup. I don't know, but I wouldn't be upset if Forsberg went into negotiations and he pulled a LeBron almost and was like, this is what I want and this is who I want on my team. I want it or I walk. Everyone wants me. And Forsberg was very, he was very clear on Tuesday. He was like, I don't want to tell you guys anything about the negotiation table, but the business side came up between everyone else that we talked to about Forsberg, um, Matias Ekholm, Yossi, and uh, Soros or Duchesne, I believe, all all the above. The business side is the business side. At the, en- at the end of the day, that is what sports are. And But he does want to be here. But he's only going to want to be here if he gets a cup. I don't think he wants to sit back and be a leader of a team, get to when he's 30, 32, that's when he wins a cup. I don't think that's what his idea of success is in his head, especially after just breaking – the records that he just did. And he's been with this organization, like you mentioned from 2013. And I asked him, I love that you mentioned the getting robbed of the Calder because I asked him, I was like, this is what you were like your rookie year. Cause whenever it came out that he wasn't a finalist, he came into a hat trick the next, the next game or two, I believe. And I was like, you know, talk to me about your memories but it was very short. I do think he wants to stay. I don't think that's biased at all. Um, I think he would be a little bit more honest about it. And Duchesne wouldn't have slipped, if you will, and said he wants to re-sign with this team. Seeing a new coach wouldn't be surprising, but it would in a way because I bring in a fourth franchise new coach. Um, But it's way more likely than Poyle being on a hot seat. So I think it really comes down to what Forsberg is going to want to do. So that's what I am focusing on. I would not care about who wins the Stanley Cup. You are out. Your time has passed. You figure out what's going to happen with Forsberg or you're looking out. If Forsberg leaves, this is what I'm doing. Here's how I'm going to save myself of a job, even though you have your automatic renewal. Because losing Forsberg for nothing, the one of the worst things that could happen for this organization, the silliest thing that I could that I could think of.
0: Yeah, I agree fully with you there, and and we'll see what happens. But I agree, all those quotes and everything, Matt Dushane saying what he said, and even what Ekholm, Ekholm who resigned this year to, um, Bor- Forsberg himself and everybody else. You know, that's a good sign when your fellow teammates are saying something. I just think the Preds have to not only pay him, but they have to get him some help and get him some guys around him that are going to make this team a Stanley Cup contender. We all want to see that as Preds fans. And I I hope that that change will come soon, whether it's through drafted players or free agency. They have all that cap space to do, not only get Forsberg, but go get some other names to help this team. And I think there's that potential there for sure.
1: But I already want to switch gears because you know who does have potential and who's proven themselves, who has an energy? Um, Nashville Soccer Club. What, what a team. What an organization. What a beautiful park they have in Geodis Park. It looks like an animation. Every single time I walk in there, it literally blows my breath away and I have chills. From a season ticket holder perspective, how cool has it been to see this team come up into the MLS, build their own park. They were playing in Nissan Stadium last year. Now they have a place of their own. Wins coming from on the road. They started off their season eight games on the road. It was the longest weeks of my life. I kid you not. Everything that I've heard since December was May 1, May 1. We're going to get home on May 1. And it's here. It's May 13th now when we're recording this. So we've had to see home games. We just saw an Open Cup win against Atlanta. <clears throat> so what's your experience walking in as a fan?
0: Unbelievable. Uh, breathtaking, to say the least. You know, I, I got into soccer very late or foot, football or whatever they call it overseas, too. Um, and, and I actually watched the premier league. I watched the English premier league and I'm a huge Chelsea fan and I started following the MLS a little bit, but it's, it always stunk that Nashville never had a team in the MLS and they finally got that opportunity. And, you know, they had a year in the, the USL as well before that. And and I've met some of the guys out in person before funny story. I think I've told you this one, Abigail, um, I was working at, at the time I was working at Dick Sporting Goods. I was in the shoe department. This guy sees my t-shirt and says, oh, Nashville, I see you fan of the team. And I said, yeah, I am, but I, I haven't been to a game yet. And he was like, oh man, we got to change that. And he's like, I'm Taylor Washington. I'm one of the players on the team. So, and, and they're great guys. I mean, they, they all from the special Olympics event they did the other day being there. I know Justin was there with you and everything. I'm going to ask you about that as well. Um, but when you walk into Geodis Park, the the largest soccer-specific stadium in the United States. And Canada. And Canada. you Thank you. <laughs> um, <laughs> you. You don't even know if it's real because it's unbelievably gorgeous um, to walk in there. And there's not a bad seat in there. And as a season ticket up in 210, right above the roadies. The the first three games in that part couldn't have been any better, except maybe the first one. I mean, but still, that moment with Randall Leal's penalty right in front of the supporters section, that stadium shaking, going crazy to the first win the next night, the next weekend with Dave Romney and um, CJ Sapong scoring goals, and again right in front of the supporters section, it, it was awesome to see. 30,000 plus for the opener and even close to 30,000 again for the second game, <laughs> but nothing quite topped that open cup match, even though they didn't sell the top sections yet. Everybody packed into the lower bowl. You're playing Atlanta. Who's a rival in a sense in the MLS you're down to nothing two nil going into halftime. Two missed penalties, as a matter of fact, on the official, <clears throat> worse than NHL. Um, you get one back with Mukhtar, who's a fantastic player to watch. Um, and he scores a beautiful goal there. And um, we talk about Sisson scoring in game six. Walker Zimmerman got robbed of one of the best cross-header goals, I'm sitting right there, right there. You were too. Um, and it was nowhere near offsides and the ref calls it back or the linesman calls it back. And you're like, this is how we're going to lose an offsides goal. That was not offsides by any means. Well, up steps CJ Sapong in the 90th minute and the ball don't lie. I mean, just that crowd is going crazy. The smoke's going off and it's like, all right, we're in this. And then Ethan Zubak, in extra time the third minute in scores and completes the comeback nashville sc moves on to play louisville as dax mccarthy says I, I don't think there's any environment like it that's where the energy is now and it's great to see because we talk about hockey everybody said soccer is not going to work in nashville oh we proved them wrong already and uh, i'm a proud proud to be a season ticket holder with a few of my friends and i i plan on renewing because it's amazing to be there but I want to switch gears and ask it from your perspective, working with the team, you get to see a different side of that. You get to be at the games, but you get to see so much more. How's it been? Obviously the buildup you talked about going there, but being behind the scenes and working with this team.
1: I think the funniest thing is that I came into this knowing literally nothing, virtually nothing about soccer of course i've heard of the soccer club like backtracking um cutler klein is a pbr alum now working as a digital and uh, coordinator over with national soccer club which today's his birthday so shout out to cutler um but he's been telling me for years that i've been at mtsu come intern with us come intern with us but mtsu had a rule where you had to be a junior now i'm a senior and i'm like okay let's do it let's get out of my comfort zone i want to try something new And so I did, and I have fallen completely in love with those organization. I have not a single bad thing to say about Nashville soccer club, from the organization to the staff, to the players, to the beautiful park that they've created. Um, I can tell you Walker Zimmerman, everyone says he's Thor, but I personally, first of all, I think that's a reach. But second of all, Walker Zimmerman is Captain America in a sense, and I'm not a big Marvel person. So if he has bad attributes, throw him out of the window, but he came to the game for game and he was the rally person actually. And I was talking to him a little bit. Cause like, you know, you see them, but I am not the person to chat. I'm not the person to go up to you and have chat, but the kindest human being I've ever met, um, his wife, Sally as well, their kids adorable, but it's, I'm very lucky to be a part of it. I'm very lucky that they brought me in and they've taught me the game. I'm like, what's a corner kick? What's this? What's that? Whenever the open cup happened, um, I was texting you and my friend Noah Maddox and I was like, what now? I know that this is a single elimination game and we're tied. What happens? And they were like, y'all were like, you know, you'll play, you'll do it overtime. I'm like, Oh, okay, great. So I can still go home at a good time psych because whenever they score a goal and overtime extra time you finish and my mom and my the whole family came actually to that game and I was like congratulations you came to the one soccer match that's really like hockey kind of sort of not really but the environment that's there I mean I get to sit on the field and I am going to give myself a secondary assist for each and every one of our goals because we've only scored in the second half. And you wanna know who sits over on our scoring side beneath the uh, supporter section in the second half? This girl. So I'm taking credit for those primary assists, secondary assists. I'll give them primary, I guess. But it's unreal. Like I, it's 90 degrees outside and I have chills. And the environment is amazing. And even just walking around the park, I haven't had the food yet. I really didn't even have time to think about being hungry, but they capture so much of Nashville in that. And it's, it's truly supporter built. Like, obviously, of course it is, but even going to their post-game ceremonies um, when they do their song, their goal song is Mr. Brightside. Hello, America. <laughs> uh, the, their goal song, their post-game win and Everything from press conferences and interviews, like this team cares so much about their fan base. And now you have Walker and Hani staying even longer. Hani's going to build an academy for soccer here because he's not from America. And he's like, you know, I get it. I get what it's like not having like that support. So I want to be the one that creates that that's up and coming as well. So it's just, it's amazing. Like CEO Ian Air, amazing. Um, Gary Smith, I call him Gare Bear sometimes, um, not to his face, of course. But <laughs> it's it's amazing. I I graduate in December, so if they want to offer me a job, I'm right here. But it's unlike anything. I I wouldn't trade it for the world, and I'm so glad I finally pushed myself out of the comfort zone because I apply, I put in my application the day that they were due because I was terrified, and I don't really get scared. I feel pretty confident about the things that I've done but that's been in hockey. So this was new for me. And I couldn't be grateful that I took the leap. I'll be, my internship will be up as of the 14th. We're away at Houston, but I've been asked to stay on working match days. So I'm still stuck around. I'll still get secondary assist on my second half goals.
0: And have you ever seen Ted Lasso the show, Ted Lasso? I have not. Okay. So for it's a great show. And, It's Jason Sudeikis, Sudeikis, who's the actor. Um, For those of you who who have seen it and don't know how that started, it was a commercial that NBC did with the Premier League, where Jason was named Ted Lasso, obviously, and he was an American football coach coming over to coach soccer over in England. And (laughs) you you gotta Google the YouTube commercials for it when he coaches Tottenham Hotspur, and he's talking about it all, and he's like he's talking about the refs explaining offsides and stuff. And he's like, can you explain offsides to me? It made no sense. I don't know what it is. (laughs) You know, so many people now have gotten on board with soccer and, and how Nashville has shown the MLS. They can, they can party and they can play. I mean, they've got a great team with Mukhtar and Zimmerman. I, I got Walker Zimmerman's autograph the other night on my season ticket holder box. One of the nicest guys, like Abigail said, that you'll meet, signed for everybody that was there. Um, Dave Romney, who's been solid on defense for him. Randall Leal, who scored the first goal. There's not those big European soccer names that are from the big leagues just yet, but that's a good thing. Because these guys are humble. They connect to these fans. They want to embrace their fans, and they're feeding off it. I don't think they've lost a home game in almost two years now. I mean, that's something to say that home crowd energy matters in the MLS. And now with Geodis Park, you could see an MLS all-star game here where you bring all the best players of the MLS to face one of the best teams in Europe. player you could even see you know some european teams come over and play friendly matches over here i know the world cup's been talked about that probably be at nissan at that point who knows though you could geodas just opened so many opportunities and so has nashville sc and the jerseys the kits oh my gosh there's not a better one in the mls with the homecoming kit with the coordinates of the stadium and the 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 pulse and the nashville sc logo it's it's awesome and like abigail and i said blue and gold it's tied to the preds in nashville sc not so much the titans but you see that color start to be embraced now on another team and it's i i only see good things for the future of geodes park and nashville sc and if you haven't gone yet, I know we're a hockey network and you're going to hear Abigail and I talk about this team a lot. Just put down your phones, get your friends, get your family, go out to a game because you won't regret it and you'll be hooked. And, and that's, that's pretty much where we're at now. And that's how my friends and I got season tickets too. We got them before the season. And it's awesome. It's worth every penny to go there every night that you can, because I don't want to be any place else this summer than Geodas Park right now.
1: And that's the thing is that it is so versatile in the way that it is kid friendly. Um, And then even there, like you said, there's not a bad, there's not a bad seat from top to bottom. It's only a 100 foot difference or 150 foot difference. Wow. um, Numbers. But you you are so close, and it is such an intimate experience. And also, too, I forgot to mention. do You want to know who was at the Open Cup game? Um, that would be Philip Forsberg, UC Soros, and Ellie Tolvanen. So, I tweeted this, and y'all are loving it. So I'm going to repeat it. Nashville SC may just darn well be what keeps Philip Forsberg here in Nashville because it is an experience unlike no other. I was I was talking to Cutler, and I was like, this Geotis Park offers the environment that, that the Nashville Predators have been missing from Bridgestone arena in years past. Like I'm thinking like peak glorious days is what Nashville soccer club brings. They have yellow smoke that comes out. Mind you, I don't know how the players see. And that is when I'm on that side and I'm like choking and gasping for air, but it's so cool. I don't know how the players see on the field, but it's so loud. There's a drum line, the fans, they keep, they have some predators chance they do the use suck chant whenever they score like they have incorporate all these elements, but they make it their own. And the attendance records just came out. And I think that we ranked third or fourth across the MLS. And this is a brand new team. It's a brand new park. It's truly an experience. Even if you don't know soccer, literally couldn't tell you the first thing about it, other than that there's an offside and there's a goalie and you score and I love it. You don't even have to know the game. The experience that it brings is unlike no other. Um, the chance, bring a scarf for sure. Um, but it's it's unreal. I believe it'll pass if not if it hasn't already passed where the Predators organization is. They've already built so much so early and they've got a fan base that really really cares because they're the reason that they're in them less.
0: Yeah, absolutely. They, they built this and the roadies, they're, they're wild. We love every, I'm right above the supporter section and good grief. You could smell that smoke, but who cares? <laughs> Cause when they score, it is awesome to see and see the players. At- yes, that the was lights. so cool. And that was the thing
1: too, with the night games that are coming up, um, the open cup game, I was like, Whoa, I've always loved the lights. Like it's super cool. I'm not going to spoil it, but at night, it looks so much better. So definitely Lucky, come out to a game.
0: Luckily, next home game is a night game, mm-hmm. Wednesday the 18th against Montreal. I suggest after you listen to our podcast, go buy tickets. But because if you the first tickets,
1: game was, it's stay at home because PBR Live's last show eight to 10 p.m. Because that's, that's where I'll be. I'll be in studio. I'm gonna miss yeah. that game. But either one or the other. I mean, you can even pop in an AirPod and like do a little bit of both.
0: That's what I got. So, yeah. And, and, you know, so, and this is, and this is exactly what Abigail and I love to do is talk about different things with sports. And she shared that it's the same passion that we have is being able to do this for you guys and answer any questions about the Preds, Nashville SC. I think next week, next episode, we're going to talk about the Titans a little bit as the schedule was just revealed. Uh, We'll touch on that some more on Nashville SC as you know, the summer you're kind of waiting to see what happens with free agency for the NHL, but there is that team in Nashville that's playing through the summer with the boys in gold. Um, the chants are amazing. You have to get out to a game. And also this is awesome to finally have this first episode. We've been talking about it for so long. It feels like, and now it's finally we've gotten to it and uh, we appreciate you tuning in and Abigail, it's, I appreciate you, coming on board to do this because it's been so much fun and uh, can't wait to see what more episodes have to hold.
1: Yeah, I'm super excited. We won't rant as much next time. (sighs) Depending on how the Forsberg situation works out, that might open a whole other can of worms, but it's been an absolute pleasure and episode two is going to have a heck of a lot more tapped into it
0: absolutely and make sure to tune in obviously to that last episode and i want to say one more time at the end of this one a big thank you to justin bradford and glenn blackwell you guys are a huge inspiration to all of us at penalty box radio and a huge inspiration to why abigail and i started to do this as well and we hope to continue on your legacy and wish you the best of luck in your futures i know pbr is not going away as a whole but we're definitely going to miss wednesday nights on 1025 the game and uh just a big thank you to you guys.
1: Yeah, the biggest thank you is I I know I wouldn't be anywhere near where I am now without you guys and your support. Um, when, one thing I do want to mention is that phone call that I told you that he gave me. He was like, you know, Glenn and I feel like we're not leaving anybody behind. Danielle, I think is the youngest and now she's an upperclassman. She's a junior now at UTK, yuck. But, you know, everyone's, everyone's graduating, everyone's settled, you know, He, They feel like they're in a good spot also personally, but also with their kids, their PBR crew, where they know that they can take a step back and everyone's still going to flourish. And that is going to tap into both of y'all's legacies that y'all mentioned last night. Glenn wanting to spread nothing but love and happiness and making you feel that way. You've done exactly that. You've empowered each of us. Me seeing a woman talking on women's sports whenever you grew so much back with um, the late Big Ben as well. And then J-Rad wanting to push people past where they can be, get out of their comfort zone. That's exactly why we are all where we are. And one of the biggest reasons why Sam and I want to do this now We've grown so much, even outside of hockey. We feel passionate enough to talk about it, use our voices in the platform that y'all have provided for us. And so thank y'all so much. I can't wait to celebrate Wednesday night with you guys. And yeah, thank you.
0: Yeah, and and thank you guys for tuning into episode one. Get ready for episode two. We'll put out a tweet with questions. We want questions. Ask away, (laughs) please, because we want to talk about different things. You can ask us even just non-related sports questions that you want um we got a lot of stuff to come obviously with the titans the preds nashville sc heck i might even talk about the indycar experience coming to nashville here in august a little bit too just ask away please because we love questions and abigail and i are here to answer so for sam fleming
1: i'm abigail martin
0: thanks for tuning in to bleeding blue the music city sports experience